Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello, Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. We're happy to have international fashion designer Javon Terrence on the podcast. Javon founded his fashion house in 2007, and it quickly grew from a passionate hobby to a recognizable brand. He has shown his collection in the fashion weeks of Paris, L.A., and three times in New York. Javon recently began dressing celebrities' clients such as wrestler Natty Neidhart, film director Stephen Capel Jr., NBA all-star Chris Paul, and more. If you like fashion, be sure to check out Javon's collection in the show notes. Thanks for being here, Javon. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. So it sounds like you're pretty hands-on, literally, um, with every aspect of the business. Does that include things like managing um, any sort of e-commerce or, you know, filing your quarterly or monthly sales tax or estimated income taxes, whatever that is? Are you involved with that that aspect as well? I, I, I know what's going on, but my wife handles all the business for the, for the brand, which is really good. Um, e-commerce, we both see everything because I actually still handle the website myself. It's funny because people are like, you probably just do the designing, but we, you know, you're a small business. We still have a part in everything. So we're always like making sure we're on, she's always, I say where she's always on making sure I'm connecting these dots because she has her full-time job as well. So I really appreciate, she works six days a week. You know, I thought I was wow. crazy with seven days sometimes, but she consistently works six days a week because she comes in and works on Saturdays at the boutique. So she literally gets Sundays off. Um, so at wow. this point, we don't have any kids, but the, the brand is our kid for now. So we'll see yeah, what right. happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you yeah. you ship out of there as well, right? You're You're doing order fulfillment. Yes. So we or we ship out everything. And it's like I said, it goes back to quality control and white writing those personal notes. You know, when people order from us, I want them to see the actual real life part of it. Like we actually appreciate that they're buying the pieces and it's not just so commercialized because at some point the brand will get commercialized more and more, mm-hmm, um, yeah. which we'll still try to add those aspects of um, being personal as well but the brand is growing so but right now if i can do it we want people to know direct from designer to you like thank you yeah 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 nobody's going to get in between that message right you won't have the retailers right so it's just direct right right i was surprised to learn when when we first met that you didn't have any quote-unquote formal training in fashion how Mm -hmm. do you think that has shaped your approach to fashion 
I got to see it from both sides. I was self-taught. I did actually go to fashion school at six years after success. It's almost like I tell, I joke with people. It was like LeBron, if you chose to go back to college and use in the NBA already. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So, so for me at that point, um, I was trying to juggle a lot, but I still wanted to see that other side of like fashion school, which I picked up things that I still use. So I was able to merge self-taught and a little bit of school together. Um, but when you want to be real about it, it's funny. I love Kanye. I always say I am a college dropout. I don't have any degrees, but I'm one of those rare people that made it work in fashion. And you can't be an engineer if you don't know math. So some some things, if it's not in the creative realm, you can't get away with it. But you, and being in arts, if you have it, you have it. You may not need college. Um, but it's funny because I, I try to say when I go speak at colleges, I'll, I'll tell that part of the story and then I'll go jump to the next thing because I don't want to just blast that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't you can read the room. <laughs> yeah, you got to read the room and I don't want to just go on a tangent about I don't need college. I don't need college because we have, you know, the relationship with Kent and I think it's great. And, um, you know, for instance, we had an intern. She's a freshman and she's in merchandising and, and she wants to be a stylist. And sometimes you don't need to be um, to have a degree at to be an actual stylist. You need to know style. But on top of it, you need to know professionalism emailing designers so i think she did learn a lot with the internship to actually stay in school and not just jump the gun so i think the school aspect of it is really good it's just my path was different right you know yeah Yeah, it depends yeah Mm -hmm. so you launched in 2007 uh what sorts of changes have you seen over the past 15 or so years technology yeah (laughs) and obviously yes you know years go by things are going to get better but it's like at this point i'm dealing with ai fast fashion independent fashion designers and brands that are already established so to be a fashion designer it's not um for the light-hearted I mean, you have to really be strategic on how to get your brand out there and how to be original when you you're going to you're going up against all these aspects to try to bring you down as a designer. You know, it's kind of it's kind of tough to think about, actually, but I try not to think about it too much. I just try to think about where we're going with the brand and um, keep it there. But, yeah, so technology is a big changer throughout the years. Um, I think like in the 2010s, it really got started to get crazy. Yeah. You know, smartphones and all that stuff. Yeah. I had a question about design. Do you design paper pencil old school or do you do, what is it? Clothe 3D? Uh, Yeah. Software. I'm still traditional. So I'll sketch really quick my idea so I don't lose it with pencil. Then it, it gets transferred into the iPad. Yeah. Just illustrator straight really quick and then that's projects that i have since i don't have the time i'll have my interns re-illustrate a design if it's really like straightforward we'll make them put all the details into it and that'd be their project because in reality i'm like we got the design now i gotta source the fabric and i gotta start cutting and sewing i I don't have the time to just illustrate it you know 
So, so as you grow, you're starting to let things go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we he's slowing, you know, into manufacturing because mm-hmm. at that point, when you start to do that, you are passing along your designs. So now you're like crossing your fingers that thing doesn't things don't get stolen yeah. designs. You have to put a lot of trust into the manufacturer to bring that quality that you're starting with into pieces being made into the tens, you know, and the hundreds. So keeping that quality control and that relationship is um, not tough, but you have to stay on top of it. Yeah. When I think about things like direct-to-garment printing and, uh, you know, third-party order fulfillment, you know, somebody can design something and um, it's made on demand and shipped directly to that customer, you know, mm-hmm. think versus like you, you're designing it, you're cutting it, you're sewing it, you're sourcing mm-hmm. it, you're doing all of that in your shop. Yeah. Um, and to to the to that point, you know, 15 years ago, that sort of technology, it, well, it may have existed, but it wasn't available to, you know, we could go on right now and have something made, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now there's brands that just, they don't have the person... I want to have a fashion line. I'm just going to put up this money, find somebody, and just you got a brand yeah, overnight. Right. So, because <laughs> the tool, the tools are the tools are out there and available now. Right? Yeah, like, and and you know the AI aspect that I brought up is like you can put, you can code into what you want to see. It it created in 30 seconds. I was just talking to a guy about AI, and it's like, oh my god, competition. Yeah, I had, I, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, create me a, a coat that's this design or this length or and whatever. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it would it would spit something out. Yeah, yeah. The students that's- in a couple of my classes were talking about. You know, you can actually see how it moves. How the, yeah. the materials. Yeah. Gonna, it's just it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. The th- that's the three D aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm not yeah. trying to get too old and under a sure. rock. I, I, I want to know all this stuff. So my new interns that are starting, that's going to be their project projects. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, how does AI, um, you know, merge into the brain going forward? So sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good that you're thinking about that because I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I think we're, we're about the same age and I'm, I'm with you. And it's like, mm-hmm. just, I'm at the point where it's like, do I really, man, I don't, do I have to I learn know. something else? You know, <laughs> I know. They were all laughing at me at the designer retreat because I still have an Android. So I'm merging into a iPhone finally. I'm like, I think I just was being lazy about learning Apple products because I have an Apple iPad and it's still like hard to navigate. I'm like, I don't want to sure. have to do this every day. Like I'm, I actually navigate really quick on my Android. But when it comes yeah. on the photos and, you know, I have to just merge into Apple products. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the so same I, way. I mean, you get used to one thing, and I used to work yeah, in a company yeah. that was PC, and then it's like mm. you're speaking a different language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw on your Instagram profile that you have showrooms in New York and Miami. How does how mm-hmm. does that arrangement work? Um, so basically, you know, you find show a showroom that you think is a good fit for your brand. And then you just you're basically um, interviewing with the showroom to see if they are able to, you know, uh, have your brand as a brand with other brands 
um, within their brand. So okay. I'm, I'm in the showroom with um, about 20 other brands. And then that's split up between New York and Miami because they have okay. a location in Miami as well. And it, it works really well for me because there's not always editorial going on in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like I needed to make that leap of faith into that industry and be part of a showroom because you never know what piece will um, end up on a celebrity or in a movie or in an editorial. So basically how it is structured is um, they have really good relationships, relationships with stylists and um, it's a trust thing as well. So they don't just let any stylist, you know, pull your piece from the rack. Um, So, for me, that makes me feel good. So I know, you know, my pieces are not getting mistreated. Right. Yeah. So it's going to show up in places that are reputable and mm-hmm. kind of kind of align with with where your brand is positioned. Yeah. So like they, a stylist will pull my piece and they take it to another state. You know, like and, yeah. You know, do the shoot, bring it back to New York. So it's like pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you work with stylists? Are there any stylists in particular that you work with? I do also work with stylists independently as well. So I'll sh- we ship out pieces like every other day to stylists, and um, they'll contact me directly. So oh, I've cool. worked with Cor- Courtney Mays. That's how she's from Cleveland. I got the um, Chris Paul um, opportunity, but then I work with stylists in LA as well that are from here. Um, so it's pretty a pretty cool thing too because then you're building a trust thing with the stylist, so they trust your pieces enough to put them on the um, celebrity clients. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and I imagine you're always working on clothes that aren't on your website. Do yeah. they get to see those first? Yes. So yeah. I'll send. I actually send stylist sketches before they even become something in real life. Oh, cool. And just say yeah. like, hey, does this? Would you think this would look good on? them for a red carpet um because then it's easy to tell the story so we'll just take the client and put them into a illustration form and pit is we're just pitching outfits all the time yeah <laughs> which is funny they'll laugh like oh you took you have my avatar uh, you know <laughs> yeah but that's what happens yeah yeah so what you were wearing when i saw you a few weeks ago you designed that i assume you made it Mm-hmm. Is that something that's just for you, or is that online? Is that for sale? So that suit is a pinstripe suit um, yeah. for the listeners. Uh, that was a pinstripe, uh, kind of oversized blazer, fitted pants. Um, that suit is part of the collection, so you can actually buy the suit on the website. Yeah, but there's yeah. things I'll specifically just make for myself and just test the market to see if somebody likes it. I'll do it for my wife as well. Um, so we'll just do some sample pieces if I like the fabric and I know I can get the fabric again, we'll just test it out and then we'll actually make it a real product. So we're always yeah. consistently ta- um, testing people to see what's like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're nimble too. Cause it's just, yeah. it's you, you get to decide. Yeah. So can you describe a couple things? How many people do you have working with you at the moment? So, Employees. So me and my wife, and then we um, have a contracted lady that comes in on Saturdays. That's a sewer as well. So, okay. Mm-hmm. so what do you look for when you're filling positions? Because as you grow, you're going to be filling more positions. So we have me, Mia, 
Um, we have a contracted lady that comes in to help us sew on Saturdays. And then we did have a hired sewer straight out of college. She uh, she actually interned with us first, and then we brought her on as an employee. But right now, we're just, we kind of cut back just to me kind of taking on the task. But uh, we're trying to grow more into a business to bring some more employees in. But it's just tough because of that trust thing. It's literally like yeah. you have to um, intern with me for like a year just to know my process and what I want and quality control yeah. for sure. So, um, yeah. any other, so other job than, is just easy to bring somebody in, but when you had the sewing aspect of it, it's tough. So do you focus mainly on the hard skills, the technical skills rather, or their soft skills? You mentioned trust a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the technical skills. Cause if we're bringing somebody in, we're going to, you know, have them sewing a, a lot. Yeah. So we want to have them pump out pieces on a on a high scale like I would, you know. <laughs> yeah. So So let me ask, uh did did you expect to be where you are now when you launched fifteen years ago? Or have <clears throat> things maybe moved more quickly? Have things moved more slowly? What um, things has, have moved at a good pace for me because um, I always used to be hard on myself about not celebrity styling people, celebrities not wearing my pieces. And, you know, I went a long time for that not really happening. Um, and I mm-hmm. tell my, my interns, like, sometimes things just don't happen overnight. And so I, I was glad that I, was got, I had to focus on the brand to be better. Because I would be questioning myself, like, is my stuff good enough for celebrities to wear? And then you just make more relationships and then it starts to happen naturally. So I think, you know, just being in it and being in the grind and, like I said, being used to practicing all the time for basketball and, um, you know, that implementing then that into it and being patient. Being patient is a big part of being a designer and having sure. the brand and being an entrepreneur. So. I think it's been at a good pace and um and we're always anxious. We always want opportunities, sure. but um I think that it's it's kind of just flowed the way it's supposed to flow. But to answer your question, when I first started, I mean, I, you know, the confidence-wise, I'm like, yeah, I should see myself in Paris and New York and stuff, but I think I was just so excited to create product. I think in my back of my mind it, it would happen you know, naturally. So, yeah. As a designer, where do you get your inspiration and do you focus more on design or what you think will sell? That's a good question because I just got to sit with somebody in New York um, that has a a million dollar, million plus dollar um, brand. And it was funny because I was on a designer retreat and it was another retreat, you know, speaking with him for an hour and a half. And I think it was just another reassurance that, you know, we're hard on ourselves. It's about trying to make the sales. I need to make a piece that's going to make the sales and stay um, um, safe. But as a designer with the competition in the world, he was just basically telling me, like, don't worry about the sales because they'll come naturally. I have to stick true to my my roots and then the customer will build themselves around the product. They're either going to like it and buy it or, you know, and it's not for them or somebody will really love the piece and buy it and it is for them. So um, it was good to hear that because. Prior to that, I, me and my wife were really hard about like, 
on ourselves about making the sales and you know you don't want to take the fun out of the out of the um why i'm designing so i yeah. think that, that was good to hear but there also is a realistic part of it so you do have to have some pieces that makes the sales as well but sure. i think he was just trying to tell me like don't spend hours dwelling on is this age group gonna buy this is this age group gonna buy this they'll find a way to buy it so I, i'm just not gonna be hard on myself anymore because we are <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of like stay true to, you know, straight, stay true to the passion, the drive, the, the sort of the inner voice, um, do that first and then right. kind of na- navigate the market side of it. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Javon, we've reached the part of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. And the first question is, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an art entrepreneur, a uh, fashion designer, for example? You have to have thick skin and fashion. You have to speak up. You have to, um, you know, fight for your brand, fight for your creativeness, and you have to be a personable person. You 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 gotta have it. You can have it an artistic opinion, but you have to make good relationships and and not burn bridges and just be a nice person when it comes down to it. Um, so yeah. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? Use our social media platforms for that. I mean, we have to keep creating and um, marketing as much as we can. So even me, I, as I get older, like, I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I have so many things I can post, but then you get post anxiety. Like, I gotta <laughs> post something and I have a brand. So I think um, spreading like what I'm learning in Lorraine about technology, just spreading that information out there to all the social media media platforms. So I think that helps with um, brands and younger designers feeling more comfortable about um, standing, you know, being accessible to you and to the industry is spreading that information as much as we can. And just like, you know, talking about the community that I, you know, that's what I do and not just being all one category. Sure. And lastly, what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever been given? Yeah. Like I said, just recently in New York is just to be, be your true self. Um, Don't worry about your price points. I mean, and to a certain extent, you have to know where you're at, but um, like just being true to your product, letting it speak for you and telling your story. The story of what you are is what people want to hear. They don't just want to buy something that doesn't have any substance. So that's the best advice that I've got. It's just like reassuring to be a real person, real designer and, and not hiding the things like being like, oh, I'm like this designer people never see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just putting yourself out there. Yeah. Well, Siobhan, this was great. It it was very inspiring to hear you, and I'm sure the listeners are gonna learn a lot from from this interview. I hope so. I think you know it's a great thing, and I'm, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. You know, I hope the podcast grows and people share the information that's what we were talking about. So I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. Yeah, thank you, Javon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Mm-hmm.